Guys, welcome to today's show. I yep. think it's showing us we're live. Rich, maybe you could just get confirmation on your end too. I believe we're live. I think Rich is live. We're doing a double stream here on Rich's. This, I'm Larry. This is Joe. That's Richard. And we're yeah, here to have a good time good. today, guys. That's for sure. Yeah, Rich, we're live, man. So, we are uh, live. I don't know. I hear you guys. I first heard of you guys when you interviewed John McAfee. And, uh, you know, you guys seem like fun. So I'm ready to have a fun interview. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. That, that's what we're here for. Like, we, we, we love you, man. We love watching your interviews. We love the way you're up straight and up forward and tell people the way it is and how to, you know, what's going on. Um, you're a straightforward guy, and that's what we like, man. We want to talk to you, have a good time, know what you're all about, and, uh, and that's just awesome. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of your best content, Rich, was pre-crypto when you were doing those, uh, like, inspirational videos. They're really good guys. So. Damn. He has Can't believe you watched him. I, oh, you know, I did, man. I watched every single camera like a zombie giving advice. <laughs> watch every single one. Improved. The message hasn't gotten any better, but the production quality is a little better. That's awesome, man. Um, him, man. Like, but we uh, we both appreciate you being here, and uh, it's just it's awesome, man. And uh, I made a lot of money off your 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 tips. Uh, <laughs> so we'll talk about yes. that a little bit later. Um, nice. But maybe you could. Tell us, so, yeah, tell us a little about yourself. I mean, I know your guys over there watching you know all about you and everything like that. We have all new subscribers and new guys we're introducing to you and I'm talking about you. Maybe you could just give a little, you know, who you are, where you came from, and, and what's so, going on with you. Yeah, I I had a, you know, I grew up and my dad had an air conditioning business and uh, we also delivered newspapers. So he worked two jobs and during the day he was doing AC with his own company, you know, small one guy. And then uh, at night, we'd be delivering port and stores, you know. And then, you know, as I grew up, I was working with them. So, I mean, I was working in the newspaper since I was like an infant. Like when I could flip the paper out of the window of a car, that's what I could do. And then, you know, so I was working with people my whole life when I was growing up. And, uh, you know, one day I needed money. My tooth broke. I needed it fixed. And it was a lot of money. I didn't have it. My dad didn't have it. And so I just started selling everything that I owned. And when I was you know, a young kid at the time, what I owned was a bunch of car stereo equipment um, that I had uh, bought over the years. And I noticed that the prices I was getting for it was like about the same that I paid for it. And I had used it for two years. And it occurred to me, man, I must have really got a good deal on this stuff. So my dad did the air conditioning for this uh, manager at this really big store in Florida called Brandsmart. They do huge, huge, huge volume. And, uh, you know, he would give us cost on stuff, you know? And uh, so I said, well, what if I put out ads in the newspaper for things that I don't have yet, but I know I can get a really good deal on? And I just put out some ads for some products I knew were real cool and popular. And people call. I say, hey, look, I can get that for you. You just need to give me half the money. And, you know, I'll meet you and, and give you, the, you know, the item in an hour after I pick it up. And I just spent my days driving back and forth from Brandsmart to gas stations or Brandsmart to my house, wherever I was meeting the people, until I saved up enough money where I could get an inventory, you know, five grand, seven grand. And then I wouldn't have to drive so much. And then I started installing the stuff. And it got to the point where my father was like, yo, you got to get a store. You know, <laughs> every, he can't sleep. You know, he's working hard and he comes home and there's just three or four cars out in the driveway, can't park. You know, my customers, not exactly the most friendly people sometimes, a lot of gold teeth, a lot of big dudes. <laughs> you know, it's Miami. It's like uh, interesting folks. 
And uh, so I got my first store. I hired my friends. And I was real lucky because my friends were all super smart because um, I went to like the super smart kid school. And uh, by luck, everyone I hired just happened to be effective and useful because they were already pre-filtered to be smart to even get in there. Um, and then like, so after that business, after that business worked, I started selling shopping cart software and then we started doing mortgage leads and then I became a mortgage broker and got a correspondent lending license and ended up with 150 employees. And we basically sold like anything we could sell on the internet. So, you know, had sex toys, tried to do cash advance loans, failed, but a lot of people didn't, there was a lot of money in it. It's basically like turning people into slaves, which is weird. It's like <laughs> you get, you get, you charge people like 40,000% interest per year if they don't fail out and lots of people do fail out. It's pretty scummy business. Wow. wow. Yeah. It sounds it like that. <laughs> but it was a money maker. Um, well, I mean, it, it, it makes so much money that there's publicly traded companies that that's what they do. Like Ace Cash Advance Loan is publicly traded. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that I studied like early on in life for business ended up tying into crypto. Right. So, Crypto is useful for avoiding censorship and businesses that need censorship resistance are the ones that the government tries to shut down all the time. And so, for instance, in the last couple of years, there was this government program called Operation Choke Point or Choke Hold or Choke Something. I, I think, think Choke, choke point. point. I think Choke Point. Yeah. yeah. And they, uh, you know, they targeted cash advance loans, maybe some cigarette stuff, um, Firearm sales, I think. I don't remember exactly which businesses were targeted, but they went and attacked the bank accounts and contractual business relationships, which is tort, by the way. That's illegal. Malicious tort is illegal. When you attempt to interfere with other people's contractual agreements, it's it's frowned upon by the law. Um, but the government went and did that, you know. And these aren't these aren't laws that were passed. These are regulators acting as though they were lawmakers forcing their will on the people regardless of what the people want and in some cases i'm okay with that like cash advance loans are scummy that does harm to people most people i think so i'm okay with the government you know maybe pushing the edge and trying to stop that but some of the other stuff i don't think like if you want to get a hooker on on back page well is would you prefer to get that hooker off the street or would you prefer to not have the street stuff i mean Prostitution has been around for as long as people have been around. You right. could have that system work better or worse. Better is with testing and, and regulation like they have it in Australia and like they have it on in Pahrump, Las Vegas, or Pahrump, Nevada, outside Las Vegas. And it just works fine. You know, the girls make more money, less people get beat up, people catch <laughs> more nuts. Great. It's okay. more organized. You know? It's organized, right? It's more, more. you know, you well, know yeah, what's I mean, happening. You yeah. ain't getting rid of it. So you yeah. could either have it work well or work exactly. less well. Exactly. You're not getting rid of it. It's not going away. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, those cash advance loan people, what they would do is they team up with American Indians and, and try and use their banking licenses and avoid the, you know, the laws. And it, it's, I don't know. There's a lot of businesses out there that are in a gray area. And, uh, and when I first heard about crypto, I thought, Oh man, this, this will really take off for all those guys. It didn't, <laughs> you can't actually use crypto for nearly anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, like maybe there's some people on the dark net that use Monero 
but they're not using Bitcoin or they shouldn't be, you know? Um, so yeah, when I got into crypto, the promises were very large and we haven't seen them come true yet, but digital gold is pretty cool. And that seems to be working. All right. You know, if you bought a year ago at a thousand and now it's 6,500, that's still pretty good. Nice. Not bad. You know, um, it, now, how early and, were you? How early were you in the in, 2011? I used to mine oh, in 2011, early, early wow. 2011, first okay. quarter. Um, and you know, I heard about it before then, but you know, ever no one played this right. I mean, even now, how many people played crypto right? It's it's yes. hard. I mean, you thought you were well, smart. Well, they'll tell you they did. Bitcoin, <laughs> but you should have bought Ethereum. Oh, I didn't know. Right? It's. Uh, <laughs> It's hilarious. It's it's no matter how much your gains you make in crypto are, you're just jealous that some other guy made more gains in less time. So I'm happy. That's why I'm launching my own token. I want my gains. Yes, everyone else can have their gains. I want my gains. I want you know if the whole if the whole if no one has any traction and all these things are really going to be stores of value anyway, well then I know how to do good game theory to build a great store of value. So. You know, like in Bitcoin, if you want to get interest, you have to give your tokens to an exchange, let them lend your tokens out, hope the exchange doesn't get hacked, and, you know, hope that you make okay money. But if I just create a smart contract, which rewards you with coins, if you lock your coins up, you don't have any counterparty risk anymore because the smart contract that allows your token to exist in the first place also allows you to be rewarded with, you know, percentage gains by locking it up for a period of time. So I, I think I coined the term trustless interest and I got the domain name. So I got the oh, back nice. Home. Nice. Uh, I think that's, I, so there's so many different ways to pitch like a, like a crypto, right? So one would be trustless interest. You can, if you're going to hold it anyway, because that's the best way to interact with crypto is to just hold it through the dips as long as you've got like a two to three year time horizon. Well, wouldn't you rather make interest during the dip? You know, another way would be uh, in crypto, it doesn't matter which project is the best. It matters which project you got the earliest in on. So if what matters is like your percentage returns, you know, does it matter whether Bitcoin or Ethereum wins? Or does it matter which one you got in earliest on? So you weren't able to get in on Bitcoin in 2011, back when it was, you know, four to thirty dollars. But you were able to get in at EOS at fifty cents, and what it went up to like twenty six or something. Mm -hmm. You were able to get in on Ethereum at what fifty cents. Oh, and it went up to thousand or whatever. So like, you know, it it almost if it's the case that what matters most in a crypto is that you're in it early. Well, I like making a new crypto. It sounds pretty smart. So I don't know. I could talk about whatever you guys want. Well, you, well, yeah, we're just talking about that though. With you know, getting in early and stuff like that is where it comes to you have to um really look into each coin that you are interested in and check out who's behind it and which way it's going because there's a lot of coins out there now as we know today at small amounts of money you can buy into, but which one is the right one? You have to do a lot of looking and searching and, 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 you know. And even with that, you still can't be perfect. No, you, you can still, still be wrong. Up. You could still be scammed. Correct? Yeah. I mean, if there's a lot of stupid in the space, 
And sadly, it seems that if you don't follow the stupid herd, you don't make the stupid gains. I mean, Ripple is a centralized piece of crap without a wallet. It's not a cryptocurrency. It's a joke. And it has no use case. And the Ripple technology that banks experiment with has nothing to do with the token, XRP. Yeah, a lot of people totally get that. Totally optional. Totally unrelated. Not a single bank I'm aware of uses the XRP token whatsoever. I believe Western Union just yesterday, the day before, said it's still too expensive. I could explain to you, like, I'll, I'll tell you why crypto sucks hard for remittances and, and why Western Union will most likely never, ever use it. Because the expense is the endpoint. The expense is the cashier staring at you while you fill out a form and then handing you cash and then not servicing any of their other customers while they do that. That's the actual expense of remittance, right? So like the Indians figured out how to do really fast, really cheap money transfer using the telephone. It's called Hawala. I don't know how to pronounce it right. It's Indian. Word. It sounded good to me, buddy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and they basically would just be like, uh, yeah, hey, uh, you know, Indian dude's name. This lady just gave me a hundred bucks. You can give her a hundred bucks. Cool. Thanks. And then they hang up. Done. This lady gave a hundred. That lady got a hundred. It's over. It's done. It's so easy, right? You do it with a single phone call. So people think crypto is going to like revolutionize remittances. Like how? They Let's say they used a, an Excel spreadsheet. It's free to update their Excel spreadsheet. Hey, I got a hundred. Okay, ship a hundred. They don't need crypto for that crap. They don't need weight. Comp. You know how slow crypto is? You were trying to actually use crypto. I dare you to like send money to an exchange, wait for some confirmations, buy a different coin, then try and send that coin out, wait for some confirmations. It's a pain in the ass. Now, that round trip takes forever. Like that round trip takes eternity. It sucks. It's not user friendly at all. And then what if there's a fork or what if there's a chain rollback? Or what if the blocks were full when you did it? And you have to be a fucking computer scientist, like mad genius, to buy and sell a single crypto transaction, like Bitcoin to Monero, if you don't want everyone to know your bank balance. If you ever send anyone ever any Bitcoin at all, they know your balance. Unless you use a mixer, good luck. Good luck making sure they actually mixed your coins and didn't mm -hmm. send you back the same thing you sent in. Or, uh, you know, an actual anonymous currency like Monero. Yeah. It's just the, we're not the the ecosystem sucks hard currently. Um, hopefully one day it will be good. Well, that that's what maybe Mike Wayne can make it better a little bit. I hope. Well, well, Richard, that's what that's what I was going to basically ask you about too. Now, do you think that can be straightened out? Because if it was easy to buy a cryptocurrency or a coin and then use it, a lot of people would join jump on board and do it. I think that's a big problem today, as you just said, is trying to buy one to buy the other to try to use it. It's like very confusing. But if that can be straightened well, out, and 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 somebody can actually make a it. make a good a, a good sense of it and get it straight, I think a lot of people jump on board. Do you? I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, so there are two there are two different use cases, right? The hey, I'm going to get rich because I bought an early thing. That's really compelling. I like that. The Visa doesn't serve me well. PayPal doesn't serve me well. Use case. It's a much much smaller market. Visa and PayPal and MasterCard do a very good job servicing their customers right now, right? They'll give you actual loan. They'll let you incur debt. You can buy shit you can't even afford. 
<laughs> That's true. That. <laughs> Ain't that a you true statement? Buy some crypto, you got to actually have the money. Yes. You want to sign up for a subscription? They'll bill you every month, and your subscription will be good. Like you know, your electric bill. You can put your electric bill on there. It's going to get paid. Crypto? Nah, eh, we can't do pull payments. So if you tie this to your electric bill, it's going to go down. If you try and do a subscription on it, we can't do it because we can't pull payments from you, right? And then if you get something shipped to you and you get scammed, you lose all your money. Oh, well, well, how do you fix that? By recreating Visa and recreating a counterparty that can make you whole if you get screwed. And so like crypto people and libertarians are discovering like, oh, all these things we don't like, they came into existence for really good reasons. And now we're being reminded of what the reasons are, right? I mean, there are businesses that are vital that are just disappearing. Like when I first got into crypto, you had a service that would act as an escrow agent for you where you could put in coins and the dude would ship the stuff and then you say you got it and then he would release the coins. They just couldn't make any money and they just went out of business, right? Because it's expensive to do all that stuff. People don't realize that like a one, a one point whatever percent fee is actually extremely cheap to eat all of the fraud costs mm -hmm. and all of the arbitration costs and you know, have a minimum level of if you fuck around on our platform, we shut you off. So if you like, if you deal with if you deal with retailers that accept crypto, there's no minimum level of approval. They could fuck everybody all day long. They keep their crypto account. But if you deal with Visa and Master Charge, Mastercard, if they fuck around, they don't have an account anymore. You know, if you go over one percent chargebacks, you gone, and then yeah. you're playing the shady game. Mm -hmm. Trying to buy down your chargeback ratio, you know, right, right. How, how can I, can I buy some clean charges from you and all that crap? So I don't know. I know a lot of, I know a lot of what goes on in the real world because I'm a real business person. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of games that go on with credit cards, like buying down your chargeback ratio with prepaid cards, Wow. you know, miscard, like miscoding the transactions to, you know, say there are other things they're not. Uh, I mean, people yeah, don't like to go out of business. Hum humongous, so they find ways to stay alive. Yeah, sure. And it's a lot easier to remember your credit card number than a freaking private key number, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Because... <laughs> I get the freaking numbers. Like, how many numbers? One hundred and two. Was it one hundred two numbers in a private key? That's crazy. It, it's, <laughs> it's a freaking lot. Nuts. It's a lot. You let you lose that, you're screwed, right? You, if you don't have, if you if, if you yeah. have it on a while, you lose your, your number. You, you you lose all your, your your coins or whatever. It's crazy. That's, well, I mean, that's I like nuts. I like to treat your private key like pictures of the hottest girl you ever hooked up with. Hey, you keep uh, extra copy all over the place. Right? You don't want to forget. <laughs> it's a lot of freaking numbers there, pal. <laughs> now that we're on the um the the Bitcoin side of things, I just a quick a two part question. Um, number one, what do you think the biggest uh point was from us dropping from twenty grand down? And uh, number two, how long would it take for Bitcoin to get back there if it ever will? So Bitcoin always does this. Uh, you know, it goes up super duper duper fast, real high. And then it gets crushed and then it fucks around for two years. That's what it does. And it's not the only market to do that. You know, bubbles have existed and will continue to exist in any speculative endeavor. You know, we're trying to guess the future. We're trying to guess adoption. We're trying to, you know, do price discovery. And it's super hard, if not impossible, 
So, you know, it, it's how it's supposed to work. I mean, that's how price discovery on new things where you're trying to guess, you know, well, how much of Visa's market share will they take? And, you know, how, how many people will shift their offshore bearer finance from Antigua to crypto, right? Nobody really knows, you know, you make your best guess. So in this event, uh, Bitcoin got listed on the world's largest market, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. There is no larger market in the entire history of humanity. Well, if we were going to have a price pump, pumping for that event seems pretty reasonable. And it also mirrors the price behavior of other large listings, such as gold 50 years ago and other things. Might have been in the 80s. It's, I haven't looked at it in a while. You look it up. Um, so now, once that occurred, the buy the, rumor, buy the rumor, sell the news thing happens where, okay, now the news is in, the futures are here. And let's see how much adoption we get. I mean, last time I checked, maybe 30 days ago, there was only 2,000 entities actually trading the contract. That's not a lot of people. No, not at all. And the volume, although they're increasing, they weren't spectacular. And so it, it appears to me that Google search volume died. Trading volumes died everywhere. Wallets died. I don't know how to get that metric, but if wallet installs died, then there you go. Where do you get that? from uh I, I read it online in a couple places okay. all right probably yeah, could be so false I, who knows i wish i had that. access to that metric um <laughs> maybe i should start a wallet just to sample the data um so it's we bought the rumor smart people sold the news and my prediction was when i freaked out you know i called the i'm a bottom caller when the bottom's in i know and i'm pretty good at it and uh, I called the bottom at like 92. It didn't hold, fell through. And I'm like, nope, that something's different. Something's wrong here. I think it's over, guys. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the price went down to like 58.55 on, on BitMEX. And, uh, and then it went back up to like 11.7. Then it died again. Then it went up to 10. Then it died again. And here we are now. And it just always does this. Like once Bitcoin gets its face smashed in and does like a nice 70% drop, it fucks around for two years because the speculative fever is quenched. You know, what's the rush? Yes. And first of all, why would you buy Bitcoin when you're not going to get a 10X? You're not. But if you buy something else, you can get a 10X. I mean, I guess if everything else is crashing so hard, that you often get negative 10 X's or something, then okay, maybe it's hard to pick winners in that environment. You know, maybe, maybe in a another year and a half of downturn. Now see that number, like a two year bear market is based on like looking at when it reaches the old time, the, the all time high again. But if you, if you like measure it to just the bottom, you know, maybe the bottom only takes like a year to get in, right? Like a good bottom. This is assuming that the chart and the price behavior acts like it used to. You know, there is some chance that all of these bots and all of these uh, institutions that are in there now that make the chart look like a hellish nightmare that if you trade, if you go long, you're getting stopped out. If you go short, you're getting stopped out. It's just, it's hellish wicks up and down nightmare, doesn't obey lines like it used to, you know, 
doesn't even obey high time frame, low RSI. Like it just, the market's cancer right now. I mean, unless you're a market maker and making money on volatility, like an exchange and their volumes are so low now that even though it's, it's very volatile, the volumes are so low that it's not enough to make them the money they were making a couple months ago. Um, I guess you could try and market make like a, like a $3,000 range, you know, maybe then you could keep making your money, but then you're going to lose if, if you guess the range wrong and then you have to buy back your inventory higher. Yeah. Trading sucks anyway. Just build stuff, you know, <laughs> yeah. or get in really early on a good token or something. Trading's hard. If you are going to trade, use my affiliate link. Get a 10% discount. There you go. There you uh, go. There you go. The you guys said you made money on my calls. What's going on there? Tell yeah. me about that. Wait, I'm sorry? You said you guys said you made oh, money yeah. on my calls. Um, when you did your video, uh, I believe at 5200, uh, I remember I sent Larry a link and uh, we, we both bought in pretty heavy at the time. And, uh, I personally, I personally got out of most of it at around 14. I probably should have nice. held in a lot longer, but you know that that rise to me just looked too quick, too crazy. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I was telling Larry, we had people at my office coming up to me, like little old ladies and people you would never think are involved in crypto, asking me, "What did you think about Litecoin? What do you think about Ethereum?" And as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Wow, this is going to." It was, it was pop. like a whole new phase, like like somebody reinvented the freaking hula hoop. Like everybody was asking about it. Like where did you know? And it was crazy because everything was booming then, and that it, that was like, it, and it, that was right before the futures launch too. It exactly was like right. Maybe a month prior to that. Where and we one of our first up. shows we did on the Bitcoin was at a thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. Right, it was at a thousand dollars, and it just started shooting up. That was the beginning of 2017 last year. And it started shooting up. Joe sent me the video that you were talking about Bitcoin and uh, what it was at, and uh, we just started getting into it. And people were just everywhere you turned around, people were talking about it. It was like a new thing, like what's going on. And then we hit 2018, and then all of a sudden, the first few months, and then it just came down. I was like, what the hell just happened? Did somebody just pull a plug on something that looked like it was going good? You know, what, it was like I mean, a, when you a, run out of people. I mean, that's exactly what happened. I hate using this term greater fools because it's insulting to technological adoption. I mean, technology does change. If we have a new financial technology and it goes from nothing to something, that adoption curve is going to move the price up a lot. So in a normal stock that is a company that shouldn't have ever existed anyway, greater fools. Okay. In crypto, we just ran out of people. I mean, who's left? If your grandma bought in on a credit card, if your friend's girlfriend bought in on a credit card, if everyone you ever talked to finally bought in on a credit card and, and you know sold their house and such, well, man, there ain't too many more people left in. Now, it could have been that we got in before Wall Street and Wall Street got in before Main Street with an ETF. That could have played out. It could have been that way. The ETF didn't come and no one really jumped in on E-Trade and such and pumped up volume, which left us like, oh man, I bought a top, you know? Um, I, I need to learn to like understand how good my calls actually are. So I called the 20K Christmas when we were at like 3,000 bucks. No, it was amazing. Was right. like, you were dead on. You were dead on, bro. Yeah. Dead on. And I believe you had a big part of Bitcoin pumping the way it did. Uh, you know, with the videos that you put out there, um, you know, you you banged away at every alt <laughs> and pumped Bitcoin. And I, I truly feel that that was a big part in why it, it shot up the way it did. I really believe that. Thanks, man. I, you know, I really tried to do the good maximalist gig. I really awesome, did my bro. best to kill ICOs awesome, and kill 
it didn't work. Uh, now I'm gonna have my own uh, alt, which is coming along really, really well. Like we might, we might within the next seven or fourteen days have like full testnet release. Oh wow! So you'll take wow. you'll take testnet Bitcoin to claim your testnet Bitcoin hex on testnet Ethereum network, and then you could screw around and and feel it out and make sure everything works well. Um, I'm excited about that. That's like super, super close. No, oh, and, and then I, while we're playing with it, we'll we'll lock our code, hash it, submit it for audit, and then have super brains look at it to make sure that you know there's no problems with it. Our code's pretty simple. I mean, we modified the RC twenty contract to have a bunch of. Uh, I mean, do you want me to tell you what like what the token does? Do you know yeah, about well, it? I, I, I'm very familiar with it. I believe CFD, right? right? Well, it's different. So I pivoted. So originally, originally I was going to do CFD token, which was going to take my buddy's really cool computational fluid dynamic software and attach it to a processing network. It's really hard, right? Because I have to program all the middleware for the scientists to talk to it. And then I have to tell, like, it, building a real distributed computing network from scratch is, is hard. Making an altcoin where you change a couple parameters on a successful coin is easy, right? So, so taking, so the coin that I care about now, which is seven to 14 days out from like testnet, is called Bitcoin Hex, H E X. Why Bitcoin Hex? Because I could get the dot com. All good dot com. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. And I got every misspelling possible, dude. H E C K. I was just going to say, do you have the misspellings? <laughs> Comnet.org. I got them all. Nice. Um, so what I did was, you know, I'm used to holding Bitcoin. I'm used to holding the vast majority of my wealth in Bitcoin. And I like it when things reward holders of Bitcoin. The best, most distributed, most secure crypto. So one of the few things that gets people to close their shorts and take possession of their Bitcoin and actually hold it like you're supposed to and not create these big security holes that are exchanges one of the few things that does that are these forks and airdrops because you actually need to have your coins. So when I do Bitcoin hacks, if you don't have your own coins, you're not going to get any. If you hold your real Bitcoin, you have the keys, you can just sign a statement on a website that says, hey, give me my coins. And it gives you your coins. Wow. But if you don't have them in your own wallet and they're on exchange, you're not going to get any. I mean, maybe, I guess in theory, the exchange could try to claim them on behalf of customers, but I penalize whales. So if you use multi-sig, you can't claim. If you use old SigWit instead of BEC32 SigWit, you can't claim. Ah, uh, that's awesome. If you, if you have over a thousand coins, 50% cut off the top. Sorry, I don't need whales dumping on me. Like, I like normal people, right? If you have 10,000 coins, 75% cut off the top. Now, it's called the stupid whale penalty because if they're smart, they could just split their wallets into groups of 999 and have no penalty. But if you're too stupid to figure that out, you get the penalty, right? <laughs> so no exchange. It's very unlikely that an exchange will be able to claim because it breaks your security model because they use multi-sig. And it's very unlikely that Satoshi will claim because he's probably dead, in my opinion. And well, then those coins that don't get claimed, I give to everyone that did claim. So if you get in early, you don't get penalized. And you get all the coins that the late people didn't get. If you get in late, 
you get a penalty of 2% every week you missed to the point where at 50 weeks, during your your coins are gone. They already got given to somebody else. That's a, it's a cool metric. You, you know, really people don't like out. losing their stuff. You really thought this one out, huh? Well, yeah, like with Bitcoin Cash and all these other forks, like claim, not claim, whatever. You can get around to it. You don't really need the money. Maybe they'll pump. But with my thing, yeah, you don't claim, dude. You're losing it. Sorry. But if you do claim, you're getting everybody else that screwed up. It's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, what's going to be if the... If you claim in the first week, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, what's going to be the uh, total supply, if you don't mind me asking? We don't know. So it's a function of... It's a function of... So if you... So right now it's about 17 and a half million coins. When we take the snapshot, if everyone instantly claimed, which I think would be unlikely, mm -hmm. if not impossible due to like the Ethereum network would probably just crash, um, then the supply would be 17 and a half million plus 10% for everyone bonus claiming the first week, plus maybe half the people referred themselves or other people, that's another 5%. And so every one of those bonuses inflates the currency a little bit. So claiming the first week could inflate the currency by 10%, but that falls off every week. Referring people, 5%. Um, what else? Oh, you only get those rewards if you lock up your coins. And if you lock up your coins, you get a percent per week. But that would inflate the currency a lot. So if a lot of people take that option to make their free like 40%, for, like if you lock up a year, you make 41% on a year of lockup. If a lot of people do that, it reduces it. So like if half the people lock up their coins, it reduces the payout to people who locked up by that number plus one. So if 50% of the people locked up, it would be 6x less payout. So you get paid insanely well if you get in early and you get paid insanely well if you lock up your coins. Nice. But as more people lock up, you get paid less. So I'm targeting like a 3% interest rate. So other tokens that have staking, they tend to lock up 50 to 60% of the supply. And if we get around 50 to 60% lockup adoption in this, we should end up around a 3% inflation, which is lower than Bitcoin. Wow. Like Bitcoin right now has an inflation of 3.5. And on top of that, you know, in Bitcoin, you have to pay miners inflation for security. We don't pay miners anything. We don't have to pay for security. We're, you know, freeloading on Ethereum. So if there's any inflation in our system after 50 weeks, after all the cool game theory adoption stuff is over, after 50 weeks, the only inflation is to people that locked up their tokens and made them unusable. And that's the same thing we do in the real world. In the real world, if you get a certificate of deposit at a bank, you get 2.25% if you lock up a year. If you lock up two years, you get 2.45%. They give you 10% more. If you lock up three years, you get like 2.65, right? So every time you add a year, it'll give you about 10% more. I just kind of modeled the real world, how human beings are rewarded for longer periods of being without their money. I kind of modeled that um, in this system. And the trustless interest. That's awesome. So if it no, doesn't work, great. I'll be surprised. I think I think it'll work, and I think it'll be super cool. And I think that all these tokens locked up with no inflation from miners, it's going to be to the moon. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I don't think you've spoken about this before, right? Yeah, I've haven't. I never really did a video on it yet, and I really haven't promoted it. Um, you know, you I'm going to start making more videos, bro. Where I could say, "Hey, look, here it is," and screw around with it. 
you know, claim some testnet coins and see if it's fun for you. And then when you when the real thing's ready, do the real thing and be there first. So well, you get the max, you know? And that's great. And you you guys heard it right here first on the Larry and Joe show. Yeah, Came right absolutely. out of Rich's mouth. That's awesome. We're glad. Larry and we Joe always show. like we, we, we always like hearing things for the first time on our show. We love that. No, and that's just, cool. And you just did it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having um, me. Now, um, CFD, the reason I just want to bring this back up, um, you know, yeah. I was really impressed by, um, you know, the route you were going where you were building something that is going to better the world. And, you know, you speak about that a lot. And, um, you know, people really do need to put themselves out there and, you know, put themselves towards bettering society and bettering the, the place we, we live in. And uh, CFD seemed to be geared towards doing that. Is this something that's shelved for okay. good or? It's shelved for now, but I have an idea on how to unshelve it. So there's this, there's this interesting way to launch tokens now called the merge fork. The merge fork is a very funny and interesting thing. So you take a token that's already on exchange that has a very low price, and then you merge fork it with Bitcoin. And then, depending on how you set the ratio, the Bitcoin holders get one token, and the cheap coin holders get one token. And then people think, oh, well, I'd like to get into this new coin. Uh, how can I buy it? Oh, well, it doesn't exist yet. You only get it if you have Bitcoin or that other coin. And they look at the two prices, and they go, Okay, Bitcoin's expensive. Okay, that coin's cheap. Maybe I'll buy some of the cheap coin. And so, <laughs> you know, uh, this, this uh, so Rhett Crichton, um, he did this with a coin called uh, Z Classic, which was, you know, his own little fork of Zcash with the founder's reward removed. They get 20% founder's reward of every block and they just keep the money. Oh my God. Wow. They make a lot of money that way wow. um, on a token that has 3% of its addresses shielded. 3% of Zcash addresses are shielded. I did not know that. that. All the rest of them are just totally not anonymous at all. So stupid. Wow. Um, so I actually mined some of that Z Classic when it first came out because I thought, oh, that's a good idea. Same technology without the stupid miners fee. Let's Without the stupid founders fee, let's mm -hmm. try it. It didn't get adoption at the time. So... That coin went up 193x, the Z Classic coin, 193 times. That's like 19,000%. And it did it in 65 days. So then he decided to do that same tactic with a new token. So instead of merging Z Classic and Bitcoin into Bitcoin Private, which was that thing, he's merging Prime Coin, which is a fork of Bitcoin, but uses finding prime numbers instead of SHA-256 mining. And then he's going to merge that with Bitcoin to make Bitcoin prime. And I thought, well, that price should go up, you know, in before the white paper. But they've been a little bit slow with the white paper. So it's been a while. And the price went from like $0.09 cents when he mentioned it to 40 or not, it wasn't $0.90. Cents. It went from $0.90 cents to $4.00. And I think it's like a dollar fifty or something. It's hard to have an altcoin when Bitcoin's dying, right? Mm -hmm. So I still hope, Rhett, if you're watching, please put out the white paper, bro. <laughs> Anytime now, dude. If my token comes out before your token, you're slow. Um, <laughs> and it might. I mean, you know, this is this this is a state of open source, right? Like instead of me begging him to like produce the white paper, well, I could help, right? Like it's an open source project. I could assign resources to it.
but I'd rather just assign them to my own project. Oh, so the reason I mention all this is if the token that I'm creating, Bitcoin Hacks, lists on exchanges, then that would make an ideal input token for cool merge forks. Just saying. And one okay. of those forks could be, you know, maybe I fork a combination of Golem and Sonam and do distributed computing with that fork. Wow. And have my Bitcoin Hacks as the input token. And then we could do general uh, more than CFD computing. That's that or doing a token for equity for my buddy's battery company. Those are like the two projects I'm looking at after Bitcoin Hex. Wow. But I mean, there is a chance that Bitcoin Hex just hits so hard that I need to just keep doing it full time because it, it could be really, really awesome. Of course. That's, that's great. And let me ask you this. Um, I know you're launching it on Ethereum. Um, I know... Yeah. You know, during your maximalist days with Bitcoin, uh, you know, you didn't like Ethereum. You said it was very shoddy software. I think no. you said that. But um, what yep. do you feel about Ethereum at its current state and also with the uh, planned fork uh, where they're going proof of stake? How do you feel about that? So the problem with Ethereum is, as it has always been, when you give developers the maximum rope to hang themselves with, they will. And if you write code, code will have bugs. And if your code equals money, bugs equals losing money. So the only way around that suck is to use well-audited, limited functionality, uh, as many eyeballs on it as possible code. So you can write code that does what it's supposed to do. It does happen. It is hard. Uh, but it can be done. So the ERC-20 standard that lets people create tokens on the Ethereum network is by far the most successful use case their project has found. And it's what we're using. And no one's had any problems with it. Um, it's pretty simple stuff. It literally just says, we're making a token. It has this ticker symbol. This is the supply. And here are the, here's the conditions by which it can be spent. And it's either owned or not owned. Um, our contract will not have an owner, so there's no like secret codes or you know secret stuff in there that would allow me or someone else to do something to the contract that would be different than anyone else. Uh, the contract will interact with everyone on the network the same way. Um, it's like if you use it in the minimum possible safe manner, it's the best way to launch a token currently. Um, and it's how EOS launched their token, right? Yes. So you can use Ethereum as, a, as an acceleration platform to get interest and uh, then build your own network, right? Wow. And then just airdrop everybody, right? So here's your ERC-20 EOS token, and now you've got EOS mainnet tokens. You could, that, we could do the same thing with my system, but... I don't really need my own network, right? Like if you're doing store of value, you don't need high throughput. You don't need high transactions per second. And if most of the tokens in your system are locked up anyway and physically unusable, great, even better, even less transaction throughput, right? I mean, to some degree, somebody's going to make a typographical error and lock up their tokens for eternity. Like that's going to happen. <laughs> you know like that someone is happen. going to screw up <laughs> and lock up their tokens forever. Um, 
It's going to be funny. That's inevitable. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's definitely. Let me ask you this. Out of the total Bitcoin supply, how many do you think are lost for good? You know, I think you could consider Satoshi's loss to some degree. He probably had about a million. And, you know, a lot of people say there's maybe four million lost total, I think. Yeah, see, that's a big um, number. Really that's twenty percent of the 20%. I know it's hard, yeah. but let's say you three to four million, you know, you're looking at 15, 20% of the supply. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that number's only gonna go up. Of course. Keys will be lost at a much higher rate than they will be found. So that's... for as long as cryptocurrency exists, the number of lost coins will always exceed the number of found coins, pretty much. Um which helps, which enhances value, right? It's drives price up to some degree. Yes. I mean, you could technically, like, technically, if a if a crypto had like a a big failure of some sort, then you could say that keys were found, maybe. But it's just so unlikely. I mean, we're talking getting struck by lightning like four times in an hour or something. Like it's just not, not going to happen. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think so. <laughs> That's awesome. And let me, uh, out of the, um, out of the top 10, like I, I know we not off the top of our heads know exactly what's in the top 10 of all coins, but what do you think is like the biggest piece of shit coin out there? That's in the top 10. Well, I think that Ripple's a pretty big piece of shit. I mean, See, they've I'm got I'm, missing I'm, blocks that are literally just missing. Wow. And they've got a totally centralized system with no wallet. Someone's going to say, yeah, but there's some wallet somewhere. Get the fuck out of here. No one's using that. Um, Iota? Their valuation's gigantic. No, it is. It's 20, I mean, over $20 billion now, Ripple. So, so let's take Iota, right? Iota used to be the worst. It might still be. I haven't bothered to look at it because I'm sick of her fanboys crying about it. But we'll fix it one day. <laughs> well, Testnet shouldn't have that valuation, dude. Like, fix it this day. And, you know, oh, well, we're built for machines. Well, no machines use your shit, dude. Just people. So stop pretending like it's a people currency. Here's the problem about making fun of shit coins. If it is true that the best use case for crypto is to store value, and it is true that shitcoins appear to store value, then to that degree, they are functional and effective. It is regrettable that people choose to store value in projects which are hyped up bullshit. That makes me sad. But, you know, look at how well the cancerous garbage fire has held its value. So it turns out that a terrible project that has stupid goals and uses very stupid methods to attempt and fail to achieve those goals can still hold value somehow. So I have to, I have to temper and like restrict the crap talking that I do <laughs> because even though a thing is terrible and cancerous, the people that got in early made more money than me. And, uh, you know, well, if that's the whole game, I guess, <laughs> If no one actually uses this stuff anyway, and it's just an, a, a ticker symbol on some exchange that you hope to cash out at, it's hard for me to to continue to crap talk these projects because right. they hold their value. You know, maybe a prolonged another year of bear 
would cause some of these things to finally give up the ghost, but I don't think they will. I mean, well, I don't know. They're already down, what, 80% or something? It's, I just got tired of talking down to crap coins. Um, it wasn't effective. I don't, I think I probably did more harm than good advertising the shit projects but I, to people who weren't otherwise aware of them. You know, if no one would take my advice and stop playing with them, then my utility in talking poorly about them was low. You know, like if you tell people, if you take your parents to a free tickets timeshare presentation in Orlando that you saw a sign for on the highway and you say, listen, guys, we promise we're not going to buy, right? We're just going to get the free tickets. And they're like, yeah. And then you take them there and then they buy anyway. You realize, <laughs> fuck, like, uh, I, I, even though I said that it was terrible, people still buy it anyway. Okay. You know? Better that off happens not every day. That happens all the time. Your story you're telling is so freaking true. <laughs> and it's so true. Because I've been to a couple of them, man. And those people really want it. They don't let you out the door. Until no, you they start, won't. I mean, I went out. I told them, man, get the hell out of here. Give me my free glasses, whatever. I'm out of here. But that is such a true story that you were talking about. That's off everything else. But that story you just said there, brother, that is a true freaking And is, everybody out there right now is thinking about that and saying, oh, man, that's right. I, I've been through that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> It turns out that people that sell people all day, every day, they tend to get good at it. Yes. Just like yes. there's this, there was this really cool video on the internet called never talk to the police. And it goes through why you should never talk to the police. And one of the presenters, the first presenter was a lawyer, defense lawyer, trial lawyer. And the next presenter was uh, an investigator uh, who was going to law school to be a lawyer as well. And, you know, his statement was, you know, quite simply, I interrogate people very often and have probably done, you know, 1,500, 2,000 interrogations. I'm good at this. You have probably been interrogated once or twice. It is not a fair playing field and you will lose. You know, he'll get you to say things that you, in hindsight, will greatly regret having said. <laughs> you know, there were some good episodes in The Wire where they acted like they had a truth detector, but it was really just a photocopier. Seen every the, episode. The kids from the neighborhood had never seen a photocopier before, so they <laughs> believed it was a lie detector. <laughs> they would just like hit the button to tell if the guy's saying the truth, and it would come out no. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. great show! By the way, The Wire. If anybody hasn't checked it out, check it out. It's an old HBO series, not that old, but I say like twenty years now, right? It's great. a real good show, uh, and really anything is. that dude makes is good. Um. So. I guess back to uh, crypto. Do you feel sorry? Like... I didn't mean to get off track there, but that was pretty. No, good that was. Uh, He's okay. absolutely right. <laughs> um, government regulation. Uh, where do you see that um, going moving forward? Are they going to clamp so, down on on coins? Um, no. No, they're on a team now, dude. We got a, we got our claws in there hard enough. So basically, what the lawyers have been stating in regards to the recent Ethereum is not a security statement from the SEC is that rarely do you have the chance as an industry to have just your lawyers in front of the regulators with no opposing side trying to fuck you up. So in our case, for whatever reason, um, and I haven't thought about it deep enough, this, this may turn out to be wrong, but right now it sounds okay, so I'm just going to go with okay for now. 
you know, when you, when you see lawyers presenting in front of the regulatory bodies like the CFTC, SEC, which stands for Securities Exchange Commission and uh, something Futures Trading Commission, C, Commodities and Futures Trading Commission. Um, the only people that are, that are talking in front of them are uh, Coin Center, Jerry Brito, um, Peter Van, whatever, Volkberg or whatever his name is. And they put together very good, compelling, strong arguments for reasonable or no regulation of crypto. And with relatively no one on the other side. You know, in the old days, you used to have Professor Bitcoin and uh, random other jackasses up there trying to take the, the other side. And lately, you haven't had that. So it's really just been, you know, pro-crypto lawyers and well-funded other uh, lobbyists, you know, probably the consensus people interacted with or other Ethereum dudes. And that's all the lawmakers see. And if all you see is like the good case, then there was, you know what, there was a couple, I have to say, there were a couple of anti-Bitcoin people in some of these SEC meetings talking about human trafficking and shit. So I, I'm going to call it not totally okay. There was people on the other side. They weren't lawyers. They were just lawmakers just lawmakers <laughs> condescending <laughs> um but i mean for the most part we've only seen good regulation come out um from what i've seen and we've only seen you know with allowing circle and other entities to purchase uh companies that have trading licenses broker dealers that's a big deal you know yes. um when you can we're we're getting into the system so I think maybe in a year, bear market over, new moon, 50K, 100K, hopefully, you know? Oh, wow. Depends on how it plays nice. out with the alts, right? So, I mean, if so, it seems like Ethereum is going to get listed on CME now since they have a price feed for it. And since it was just recently declared not a security, mm -hmm. which means that the commodities people can use it. So, if Ethereum was judged a security, CME couldn't list it because it wouldn't be a commodity, it'd be a security. And have to go on, you know, NASDAQ or NICE or other, you know, entities. But because they ruled it, not ruled it, but stated that it wasn't a security, it's much more likely that the CFT, the CME will be able to list it. And then you have to wonder, well, is it going to pump like Bitcoin did? Or is it not going to because everyone saw how that worked out last time for Bitcoin? I mean, the response to that ruling is pretty lukewarm. You know, in the old days, you could get a 20% bump off that. Absolutely. I think it got like a 5% bump or something, which could be random noise, basically. Didn't really pump anywhere near as hard as I, I would have expected it to with that kind of good news. Which just doesn't speak well for crypto in general, um, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, the one thing that scares me a little bit with crypto is, um, you know, as far as pulling money out, you know, these days right now, the only company I've, I've ever used to pull money out is Coinbase. And, you know, I say to myself, what if Coinbase just went away or some, something happened with Coinbase? You know, how would I even get the money out? You know, I guess at that point, you got to transfer it to Bitcoin and hope you could spend it somewhere. But, um, yeah, that's a little scary. And I, you know, I know a lot of that is due to the laws and, and banking and stuff. But do you feel that we're going to have more like ways out? Of sure. Well, the, I mean, you got a lot of ways out now. You just got to avail yourself to them. You know, there's a lot of exchanges that will cash you out. You just got to go through the work of setting up an account. I mean, I could tell you one trick that will let you cash out but stay in crypto. 
So let me shell my link. Go to BitMEX, sign up. They don't need any personal info from you. You can deposit your coins in one confirmation. And then all you do is short whatever amount that you want to turn into cash. And it gives you pseudo cash. And then you're still in crypto. So you, they only accept Bitcoin as deposits and they only send Bitcoin out. But while your Bitcoin's sitting there and you've got your short opened up, if it's one-to-one -one leverage, you're in cash, right? So let's say you wanted to protect a million dollars of value right now. You could send $100,000 of Bitcoin to BitMEX, short it at 10x leverage. So if they go out of business, which they've never had a problem, they've never been hacked, they are the largest exchange in the ecosystem by far, by four or five-fold at least um, for volume. And so by putting the 100 grand there, taking a million dollars short, you now have protected your whole stack, your whole million bucks, by only risking 10% of it to exchange failure, which they've never had a problem. Uh, and then if the price goes down, you get more coins. Mm -hmm. the price goes up, you get less coins. You're effectively in cash. But you never actually have to touch the real-world bank accounts bullshit. Wow. And depending on your tax jurisdiction and what your accountant says, it could be very likely that having a short opened up is much more favorably treated than selling coins outright. Because you didn't really sell your coins. You use them as collateral for a completely different thing where you'd make money if the price went down, but it's not a sale, right? So you don't have to touch the real bank, talk to your accountant. You could find that futures buy this method I'm talking about, just taking a one X short or using leverage and not sending them as much. You could just send them the more and make it a one X short, right? You know, just if you're using it to like protect your dollar value, just don't, don't think you're a trader and start moving that leverage around because that leverage slider goes to 100. And if you slide it to 100, it's very dangerous, you know? <laughs> now, if you slide anybody... it to two, it's very dangerous because wow. effectively you just borrowed your whole stack. You know what I'm saying? Wow, wow, yes. So for anybody that if doesn't... If you leave it at one, you're good. You're just basically in cash. And then you've got funding fees that sometimes pay you or sometimes cost you based on whether max is higher than the other exchanges or lower than the other exchanges. Like right now, it would cost you like 0.04% for eight hours. But then sometimes it all balances out to zero over time. So it's just a, it's just a nice way to be able to sit in cash without having to use a bank. Um, and I think there's tax benefits to it. And the name of the site is Bit, BitMEX? BitMEX. Yeah. If you go on my website or my Twitter, Richard Hart Win on Twitter, Richard Hart on YouTube, it's just, you know, click my BitMEX link, you get 10% discount on fees for six months. And then, uh, you know, you could put a dollar in there and click sell for $1 and then see what happens. You know, wow. see if you like it. Nice. Now, for anybody out there that's not familiar with actually shorting a coin, um, and I, I actually aren't, I'm not too familiar with it. Um, mm -hmm. So let's say Bitcoin's at 6,500 and you want to short yep. it. Uh, you said 1x or 2x. So what, what sure. needs to happen for you to make money? So, right. So so when, so here's what leverage does, right? So let's say I deposit one Bitcoin on the exchange. 
I've basically deposited $6,500 of value there because Bitcoin right now is worth $6,500. If I go on top left corner, type 6,500 and click sell, it's going to open a position to sell 6,500. And my collateral is my Bitcoin. Now, if price goes up, I'm losing coin, right? Because I, I sold my Bitcoin for 6,500. Got it. If a Bitcoin now becomes worth 12,000, you're broke. I lose half the Bitcoin, but I keep the 6,500 value. If the price goes down to 3,000, now I got two Bitcoins. Ah, it's one okay. to one leverage. Got it. So, so if you, if you deposit a Bitcoin and you short that value of Bitcoin, so if you deposit the Bitcoin and short one Bitcoin, you're going to make coin if the price goes down. And you're going to lose coin if the price goes up because it's going to hold you at that dollar figure, right? Wow. Now, if you go past 1x, so if, like, you know, let's say, let's say you see somebody call the bottom and it's a good bottom. You go long 3x, 4x, price goes up 10%, you made 40%. That's how that works. If, if you went, if the price went up 50% and you had 10x leverage, your stack goes up 5x. 500%. So wow. you just, so all the leverage does is just multiplies how much gain you have and how much loss you have. So you could, you could literally 100 X leverage if you did it at the right moment and closed it early enough before you got liquidated when it went the other way. Right. So like, I'll tell you what a lot of people do. Price moves around. You draw a line at the bottom, you draw a line at the top, makes a pennant, right? If it breaks the pennant, okay, it's going to go up more. You sell that, right? You, you, it broke it, you trade it, you buy it, and then lately, now it falls back down. It does it the other side. <laughs> it makes a wick through the other side, and then it comes back up. So if you, if you do your timing right, you can take high leverage. Um, wow. But if you're not doing breakout trading, if you're doing like swing trading over longer time frames, you can't really use really high leverage like that because just the noise of the market would have... Mm -hmm you know, liquidated you. But if you're only trading like 1% per trade, liquidation is not as big a deal. If you're trading your full stack, you can't get liquidated, dude. You're out of the game then, right? So you can either use your whole stack with no margin or you could use parts of your stack with high margin. In effect, your risk is like the same stuff. For guys that are new like you, I mean, I would, I would just, if you were worried about protecting cash, you could experiment, throw a hundred bucks on there, short one X and, and see if that feels good to you. That when the price goes down, you got more coin. So like when I said 10K that the mar the premiums are too high, the futures are all 5% premiums. They were like 10,004, 10,006 even, I think. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't even break the 200 day moving average at 10,000. I was like, why are you guys, why are you guys 5%, 6% premium on these futures when we're still under the 200 daily moving average? which is the definition of a bear market. Like that's the definition of a bear market. Like you can't break the 200 daily. Um, and I was calling it out on Twitter. I'm like, this is retarded. And then now the futures are worth less than the spot coins. They're at a hundred or $200 discount because it was overheated. I called it right. You know, and if you had shorted it at 10 K, let's say, let's say you had shorted your stack at 10 K down to here at six, you'd have, 30, 40% more coins right now. Wow. wow. 
Wow. And if you had if you'd taken leverage, if you'd taken like 3x leverage, you'd have double your stack. So, you know, it can be cool. Um, but yeah, right I'm now, dabble boy, a little bit. Well, what if you would if you were to do it right now today, right this second, what would you do right now? Short or long? What would you do right now? What, what, so seeing what it's here's, at now. here's right now. The problem is that the market's been beaten down so hard that even being oversold. So on the technical indicators like RSI, 12 hour RSI, daily RSI, we're massively oversold, you know, 20s and 30s. Um, 30 is the limit at which you're considered oversold. And all that indicator does is it, is it looks at the past indicators performance, like what what the thing is used to doing. And it looks at where it is now. We're massively oversold. But the problem is that you could stay oversold for a long time. The indicator will just reset. So it'll drift back to center point, even though the price keeps falling. So this were the good old days, the bull day, the bull days. You know, we had a 48, 45% drop, which you're looking at the chart, 45, 48% drop, pretty safe to long it. You know, you'll get a 50% bump even in the bear market. Um, but now everyone thinks we're going to get a four or five K buy-in and I don't really see any reason why we won't. So in the old days, you know, the risk reward was, okay, I'm buying a 40% discount and we're going to go to new all time highs in a couple of weeks. Now the risk reward is, okay, I'm buying at a 40% discount and Bart Simpson's going to come. <laughs> <laughs> every single pump is followed by a full retrace and every single dump is followed by a full retrace. So, I mean, it's, it's just a lot crappier market to trade. And, uh, and I mean, what's the bullish narrative? So, let, so the chart is what matters. The chart and the technicals matter. The fundamentals are a fucking joke. The fundamentals are the stupid excuses people come up with to try and justify what the chart did. The chart's reality, okay? The fundamentals are people guessing. Oh, well, you know, some exchange that no one's ever heard of got hacked, so now the price dropped. Bullshit. We had a trend line. We broke trend line. That's why we jumped. Wow. Yeah, like wow. Wow. Technicals crush fundamentals. But let's say that for new money, fundamentals matter because they do. They're not looking at charts. Mom and pop ain't looking at charts. So, you know, what's the new good thing coming to Bitcoin? Lightning? Nobody's using it. Okay. Uh, altcoins dying? They're already dead. Uh, uh, what, what, what do you got? What, what exactly good? Is happening for Bitcoin ETF? Not really. Yeah, no more shit coins being traded for USD. Like Bitrex just listed their own USD pair that they're trading shit coins against. That's not good for Bitcoin. Used to be you had to buy Bitcoin to get a shit coin. Now you can buy with cash. That's bad for Bitcoin. So I don't, I don't see the bullish narrative. I don't see the bullish chart patterns. We can't hold support. I mean, we had that multi-year log trend line at 7K, fell through it hard. I mean, that was a good place to buy. That was good risk reward. Yeah, you I knew that K line was going to get defended. Fell right through it, dude. Wow. Like, like it wasn't even fucking there. Well, if you can't hold that trend line, where's the next trend line that you can try and hold? And I don't have any nice looking trend lines. The only good trend line I got is at like 5,500 on a downtrend support. Ugh. So you would prefer to get an uptrend support where you're making new highs and new lows. When you're hitting downtrend support, yeah, you'll bounce off it, but you're going to make new lows. It's not, it's not a, if someone wants to send me a chart 
and show me a nice uptrend line somewhere that's not 3,500, 4,500, I'd be happy to look at it. But I don't like buying someplace that's not on a line or an average or something. Give me, give me something. What am I, what am I, you know, give me something to hope for. Like, and right now, I just don't see it. So we might, we might pump some because we're already did a 48% dip, maybe, but that's not enough for me to buy on. I need more than that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't short right now. I'd be okay being in cash. I wouldn't short because we are oversold. Um, maybe we can get a relief pump. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't short. I would 1x short to cash if you're just sending a coin. Um, this is not financial advice. Don't get wrecked. Yes, uh, he is absolutely right, guys. We have no idea what um, we're talking yeah. about. We don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. <laughs> well, I mean, look, if you if you sold 10K and you bought six, you got like a third more coins now. Um, but if you didn't, you're just sitting there holding it. You know, maybe maybe we maybe we stop at 5K. Maybe we stop at 5,500. You know, maybe that is the bottom for a long time. But if you sell six and buy five, I think you get twenty percent more coins. You know, it's hard. It's hard to not want to get a better deal. Is my opinion. Sometimes it's a crapshoot. You don't know what's happening. You try your best. You think it's going to be the right thing. And you do what you got to do, and then something turns and it, it doesn't work out. But that's why we're it's working with no gambling, data. right? I mean, if I owned an exchange and could see how many signups I was getting or what kind of deposits I was getting in the bank account, this would be a lot easier game. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know how much deposits the exchange right, is getting. Exactly. I don't know how many wallets are getting downloaded. You know, I, I have to do the magic I'm able to with the tools I have, which are the chart, trend lines, volume, indicators. And some secret sauce I don't tell anyone about, but it would be great <laughs> if I could add some other stuff, you know, or oh, that, maybe that, I'll just build tokens and let the market do what they wish. Maybe that's an easier life for Richard. See, and when like you put idea. it, when you put it like that, Rich, it, it's it's crazy to think that because there are some people that are going to have privileged information, and oh yeah, uh, it's just not, you know, not fair. It weighs everything in one direction, and actually, you know, in a way, puts. Con Oh, I guess you could put control into a couple of people's hands that have a lot of money like that. Well, I mean, you know, the best way to be the best way to buy the bottom is to be the bottom. And there are some people that can just choose the bottom, right? Like they just buy it and everyone has to chase it because they bought it so hard. And as long as another whale doesn't come screw up their plan, you know, they can get out where they want and just watch the market go up through their sell orders, right? Um, you know, or if you see an algorithm's doing a certain thing, like I told you, the breakout traders that play the triangles. Yeah. I know how to break a triangle a certain direction if I want. You just press the green button. <laughs> you know, like you want to break the triangle the other way, you press the red button. You, you know, <laughs> it's uh it's like so it, it's just like when Bcash launched and uh <laughs> against call, the road. Don't call it Bcash. It's not Bcash, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not B cash. <laughs> Let's yeah. not do that. <laughs> the the one that uh, fake Satoshi loves that coin, whatever coin that is. <laughs> I don't understand what those guys are doing, man. If you if you have like a straight up scammer that lied on television about being Satoshi on your team and on the stage at your it's event, it's insane. It's insane. You gotta be stupid. Like you gotta be stupid. Like this is the first time you ever seen a con man. This is what they look like. They lie. And you catch them in a lie, and then they pretend it didn't happen, and life goes on. When you catch someone in a lie, 
particularly big lie. Especially if that they lie about everything. Oh yeah, if they love. If they're willing to lie about this thing. They're lying about everything, man. Yeah, it was bad. Well, listen, uh, Rich, we had a donation from Javier Suarez of five bucks. Thanks, Javier. We appreciate that. Thank you that. so much. Appreciate and it. And he wants us to ask you about Biteball. He says you're a big fan, and I know you. I know you have I mentioned was. it in your videos. I was a big fan. Was okay. Was okay. Let's well, hear this. So, here's an interesting position. If centralization is not a risk, and if no one ever attacked the thing, a lot of cool technology there. Declarative smart contracts, built-in oracles, anonymous function. Uh, I think you can do sports betting on there. You can do flight insurance on there. ton of cool stuff. Problem is, a Russian dude's got all the coins. He pre-mined them all. He hands them out. And when he was handing them out, he said, I'm going to give these to people that hold Bitcoin, and I'm going to give them to people that hold this coin. And then he just decided to stop. And that reminded me, oh, centralization matters. Shit. Well, that's not good. Because he said, you're going to get paid. If you hold these tokens, you're going to get paid more tokens. Trustless interest, kind of, right? Mm -hmm. If you get, if you held that thing, you would get more of that thing. But then he just stopped because he decided to, because he holds the coins. He could send them or not send them. I was like, all right, well, fuck you then. If you're gonna, <laughs> if you know, if if your job is that you can turn this thing off whenever you want, no matter how cool the tech yeah. is, you don't want no part of it. And it, well, I mean, look, if people actually use this stuff, it would be more valuable. But no one actually uses this stuff for anything. Nothing. The only thing anyone ever uses Bitcoin for is to buy shitcoins. Period. The only thing people buy shitcoins for is to make more Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> the only actual currency that actually gets used is Monero. Because you have some anonymity and you can actually use it without people knowing how, you know, how much money you got and when you got it and who gave it to you and all that. So, you know, in a world where this stuff was more adopted, I, you know, useful, interesting, innovative stuff would get more rewarded. But that's not the world we're in right now. You know, the world we're in right now is get in early and ride the pump, I guess, and then, uh, yes. you know, get back into Bitcoin and hope it's a, bear, a bull market. Like, it's, it's not ideal, dude. <laughs> it's not, it's not yeah. ideal. I mean, you know what else wasn't ideal? Sending email uh, 10 years ago, yes. 20 years ago. A lot of Sucked. things. Yeah, Sucked for a while. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because what happened last year was a lot of people got in um, low, bought low. Towards the end of the year when everybody started seeing, oh, my God, look at this. Everything's running up. All the people towards the end started buying the high. And then it came yeah. down again. So now what yeah. happened to those people that bought low – they they still made out because they come down to where they bought, but the people yeah. that bought high, they all of a sudden they got hurt, and they got yeah. hurt, and then they got a bad taste in their mouth about crypto coins, which is a shame because yeah. I think that's what really hurt what's going on today is because so many people said, "Oh, look, I bought, I lost money," but like you say, you got to get in early, and I think the people that got in late got hurt, and I think it's hurting them and and the whole crypto world. So, the one good thing is that. So many people have said so many bad things about crypto and it is so volatile that there's a pretty good, I told you so, and you probably should have just risked what you were willing to lose. So the volatility helps protect some people 
because this is internet made up money pretty much now can that internet made up money revolutionize the world and change man's relationship with government and change man's relationship with other men and do amazing fantastic things yes are we there yet no was getting to twenty thousand dollars a good step in that direction yes so we're gonna have booms and busts just like every industry and the people that buy the top are going to get screwed unless they can wait two years then they're probably going to be okay that's the cool thing about crypto if you look at the chart if you can hang on for two years and just hold it usually turns out good for you real good yeah so you know how many other if you held the top of the nasdaq bubble it took 10 or 20 years for it to get back yes there's another thing everybody keeps posting this bubble chart Bitches, you're leaving the dates off the bottom. That took <laughs> That's 10 or 20 <laughs> years to go through all those cycles, man. Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah, yeah. putting the Bitcoin chart in six months on the same chart. Wow. I'm not sure it works like that, yeah. dude. I don't think you can <laughs> compress human volatile emotions over a couple decades into six months and think it's legit. I mean, maybe, but I think the time frame matters, you know? Definitely. Now, what about our stock market? How do you feel... Uh about that moving forward i know a lot of people in crypto feel you know that crypto could be the end of centralized banking and well, stuff like that no. so no way right no they'll just make it the new so these people don't study history we had gold and then we had gold storage and then we had receipts for gold storage and that's what money was here, you want to go get my gold? Here's the receipt. It's easier to carry around. You do the same thing with crypto. Here's your crypto. Here's your crypto storage. Here's your receipt for crypto storage. So all the same stuff that you had with other finite goods like gold, you could have again with crypto. So you could have fractional reserve that is partially backed by crypto. You could have uh, people printing their own funny money that's supposed to represent crypto, but doesn't. Like, you know, Ponzi schemes and such or mining schemes or all these other advanced fee fraud things where they get money from you telling you you're going to get more later, but in reality you don't. Um, all those things can exist on top of crypto the same way they existed on top of other stuff. So this concept that like, oh, well, no one's going to pay their taxes anymore. Sure they are because they just look at who has the Ferraris. Like, <laughs> People are still going to pay their taxes yeah, um, or they'll just never cash out, in which case what use was the money? Um, you know, like it's very short sighted to think that crypto doesn't play by any rules, it plays by a lot of rules, um, even more than other things. Right. So it's cool. Like digital bearer bond that you hold a seed password to cool. That's neat. Um, but all this other stuff like digital voting. So now you give people a receipt for their vote so their husband can beat them when they come home if they don't come back with the right receipt. <laughs> or they could just sell it. So instead of instead of the candidate buying 10,000 uh, votes true. from advertising on NBC, they can buy 10,000 votes on the darknet and have them <laughs> cryptographically proved. Wow. Okay. I'm not sure it's an improvement. I mean, it's people don't think deeply enough into the implications of some of these things. Like assassination markets, that's going to be a weird one. <laughs> uh, you know, wow. I talk a lot of shit about altcoins. Uh, 
<laughs> not excited to see the assassination markets take off, you know. Yeah, I'll be boy. wearing an I love altcoin shirt evermore, you know. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Your, please. your shitcoin bag is my favorite, no matter what it is. I love you, man. Now, um, I guess a big thing in the crypto field right now uh, is EOS. Um, you know, just came off a huge ICO for billion dollars which by yeah. the way to you know i think that's an obscene amount of money to create anything but um how's your what's your take on eos and moving forward where do you see well that they had going? several critical bugs which caused them to just go offline um so their mainnet launch was a fail a very large fail um the fact that they can just choose to go offline at all means that a government could cause them to go offline at will so I guess since these things never get attacked, uh, it could be okay. But the fact that they can just decide to turn the whole network off and it gets turned off means that they could also just hold you at ransom. Hey guys, we're in another 4 billion or maybe we don't turn these servers back on, you know? People forget about like how shitty centralization is until the problems occur. Like I forgot until Bipol did, it was like, ah, I'm just going to not hand that money out anymore. I'm just going to hold on to it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he didn't say hold on to it. Like, he's going to give it out differently. But fuck that noise, dude. Like, <laughs> you shouldn't be holding all them coins anyway. It should be algorithmic. Like, there's no reason for your ass to be holding those coins. Build a smart contract that distributes them, you mm -hmm. idiot. Um, so, yeah. If you want to play around with a new hot thing that might pump, have fun. But... You don't need high throughput when no one actually uses this stuff anyway because there's no adoption and the system is obviously centralized. So I'm not excited about it, but, you know, people made money on it. So, hey, we. <laughs> yeah, and it's, what I tell you? it's like a centralized thing that you can turn on or off at will and is buggy and. We don't need the throughput because no one cares to use this stuff for anything anyway. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Apparently, they're putting some weird Wikipedia on it. I bet it sucks. <laughs> I bet they find out that the reason the Wikipedia we have right now is as limited as it is is because signal to noise matters, and I bet they just have a shitload of noise. But we'll see, you know. That's awesome. Now, um, going back to your, your project, you're saying um, – we're one to two weeks out from a possible test net. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can go on the GitHub, you can go on github.com forward slash Bitcoin hex and look at the smart contract and the claim tool. And, uh, you know, basically all the claim tool is, is when you have Bitcoin, uh, in a wallet, you can sign statements from your coins that we can tell are true and that prove you own them. And then you can't lose your coins. Like it's your wallet. You're just signing a statement from it. And uh, and then we use your statement. The smart contract looks at it and goes, oh, you did have coins. And then it gives you the Bitcoin Hex coins. Um, you do have to pay a little Ethereum fee to have the network process it, probably 30 or 60 cents. It's probably 30 cents to like claim your coins and then another 30 cents for you to stake them um, and lock them up to get all those other cool rewards. Um, so for like 60 cents, you turn your Bitcoin into Bitcoin hacks and that's it. Like nice. you still have your Bitcoin. You learned how to actually use your wallet in a cool way. 
Um, should be neat. Should yeah, I can't really wait neat. to see where it goes, man. Uh, you know, and I'm glad I'm glad to hear about it. You know, and uh, I think uh, I think it has the potential to do yeah. something, which is going to be awesome. And the go, fact go that on BitcoinHacks.com and and read the sales pitch. Um, these refined a little bit, and he's cleaned up, but. It's good enough it, for you yeah. to understand what no, it does. No, I definitely will. Absolutely. Like, like we tell everybody, take a look at it, see what you think, and see what you, you know, look into it. Do, do your research, you know, like anything and, else. And one key thing that you mentioned that uh, I feel is huge when you said audit, you know, that you're going to have brainiacs take a look at this thing. I think that's huge because, uh, you know, you're dealing with people's hard-earned money here, and you got to make sure things are precise, things are down pat. So I commend you for going. I'm sure a lot of coins do it, but you know, that's awesome that you're doing that. I could tell you a funny story about that. There was a 200 or $800 million project called icon or icon X or something. And their smart contract, uh, had this uh, statement that was something along the effect of they put a, a exclamation equal sign instead of, instead of two equal signs. And that, that error, of having an exclamation mark instead of an equal sign made it so that anyone could disable the ability for the, the token to be moved. So I think it's an $800 million project. Wow. $800 million of tokens is permanently crippled from being moved because people just keep sending the trend, the command to disable transactions. Wow. <laughs> because they missed it in the audit. Uh, Something so simple too, just one character. Right. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. And that's not the first time something like that's happened. So the parity wallet hack was they didn't declare the uh, one of the functions as private and thus it was public. And then they just, just locked all the multi-sig coins. And they still Both. haven't forked that or anything, right? Those coins right. are still locked away? Yeah, they're still locked. Wow. So it's just funny that, you know, if you don't, get your code audited you could end up discovering that the mistake that you made made all the coins go away so making the minimum number of changes to known good working stuff is helpful and having an audit is helpful um so it's it's just funny that you mentioned how important audits are because you know just yesterday $800 million tokens frozen. Now that means every exchange had to freeze the accounts mm -hmm. because you can't perform withdrawals because the exchange would be like, all right, send it. The smart contract would be, nah, we're turned off because someone turned <laughs> us off. It, it's like putting a global light switch on your, on your currency <laughs> and anybody <laughs> and the whole world can turn it off if they pay a 30 cent wow. fee. Crazy. <laughs> and this is almost a billion dollar project. That is That's crazy. insane. Yeah. It's insane. Uh, now, for audit, and do you is there a company that you use for this, or is it just there's find a, the best there's developers? There's a bunch of them. I won't mention who they are because I don't need other people front running me to get their stuff there first. Because I don't. That's going like that particular phase of the project is the crappiest waiting period that that sucks, right? So our code will be done and locked, and then we'll be waiting for the auditors to get to it, and that sucks for me because I can't. I can't easily accelerate the process. I can say there are five or six well-known entities that, that perform best of class work uh, in the space in that regard. Okay. And when it's released, and it's expensive by the way, like- That was gonna be my next question. Costs, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, 50 grand. 
Okay. You can get cheap guys, maybe 25 grand. You get okay guys, 50 grand. If you, if you, I mean, you might be able to get best of class guys, 50 grand. If you have a more simple contract is your contract gets more complicated. They have to work harder. It takes more of their time. Prices go up. So anywhere in between 20 K and the cheap end to 50, 75, um, is reasonable for a single audit from what I've seen. Okay. And obviously you're funding this now. Um, yeah. where do you, obviously, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're doing this to profit from it, hopefully down the road. Uh, you're the first how, guy to actually ask that question. Am I? Well done. How does Richard make his money? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. I want to know. I will say. I, I love making money, Rich. Yeah. You're I the will first say. Year Larry and Joe show. Those... Go ahead. <laughs> you got yeah. that question here first on the Larry and Joe show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. I don't know why most people don't ask this. Like, where do you make your money, Rich? This is the simplest question. It's the smartest question. The origin address that like spawns this cool creation is going to get. So if you get a Satoshi coin, it gets a Satoshi coin. If you referred yourself and got 5%, it's getting 5%. So I don't know how effective the bonus schemes are going to be or in what ratio people are going to adopt them or how many people won't claim their coins. But the more hard work the bonus scheme does, the better the origin address is going to get rewarded. So if Satoshi doesn't claim his million coins and they get redistributed amongst the, the other token holders, then the origin address should get a million coins too, is the game. So it's basically like, you and the origin contract snuck into Satoshi's house and took his coins and then you split the pot. But the token only inflated by half because the 17 million that existed, let's say 16.5 are left. The million gets sent from what would have been Satoshi to the people that did claim over a 50 week period, 2% every week. And then the origin contract would get that same million. So the supply would go up to 18.5 in that case, if Satoshi doesn't claim. Now here's the interesting part. Will Mr. Origin Address Guy just lock up a ton of his tokens and get more later? Or would he try and sell some at market to buy Google AdWords campaigns, which I don't really think you can do that for crypto anymore. Or it's, it's an, it's an interesting game theory thing because anybody, including the origin address, could stake their coins and lock them up. And then everybody's looking to see what the actual supply is. It's not locked up, right? So it's not 21 million like Bitcoin because it's just the coins that exist now, which is 17 million five. Mm -hmm. And then the coins that are locked up provably, you can see the smart contract lock them. That just reduces the supply a hell of a lot. So... You know, if the question is, what is the total supply? There's a running ticker that you can see on the contract and just call whenever you want. We need to make the app that shows what the supply is after all the lockups, which is the more exciting thing, because that's what the real like supply is on the, on the thing. So in summary, I'm not exactly sure what my net's going to be. Oh, it's going it. to be equal to, you know, if I were the address, which would be smart if I was, <laughs> then... Yes. Uh, whatever the bonuses were is what that address gets. So if the bonuses do really well, then that address gets more. But if the, 
So basically, like the bo the bonuses will do better if the project does worse. Maybe this. I've got so many things fighting each other that it's hard to say. So if the if the if the staking gets more adoption, then it pays less. If people refer themselves, they get free coins, mm -hmm. but they don't have to refer themselves. And then origin contract gets nothing. If more people adopt faster, everyone's bonuses get larger. But if more people adopt slower, then more of Satoshi's coins will be given to them. So there's all these things that like fight each other. It's very hard to try and guess uh, what the outcome is going to look like. It's kind of cool. Like I'm excited about it. The only thing I didn't include that I could have included was a minimum requirement on how many coins you would need to lock up. So in other projects that have like master nodes and uh, uh, I don't know what the other words they use to describe these things. You, I guess staking is the other word. You have to have a minimum number of coins to get that return. And I just thought that was like too gay. I'm like, nah. <laughs> you can just, if you have one coin, you can do what you want. Like you don't, you must have some minimum. That's, come on. You don't need no minimum. It's a smart contract, dude. Like, it, it handles small digits. It's fine. So that's the only thing I could have included that I didn't that I could think of from the game theory side. And look, the project's still open. Chat or you guys have some good idea for cool game theory you'd like to see in there. Let me know. Um, cool. You know, Definitely. right now it's if you get in the first week, you get a ten percent bonus. Falls off two percent every week. Um, at fifty weeks, there ain't no more claiming. It's over. Then the only inflation that exists. Is from the people that stake. Put in the coin. If away. you stake, you get a percent a week. If you stake longer, you get that percent more. So if you stake for 360 days, you get 3.6 percent more. If you stake for 520 days, you get 5.2 percent more. Um, what else? If a bunch of people stake, if 50 percent of the people stake, it gets reduced by 6x. If 10 percent of people stake, it gets reduced by 2x. Um, what else? Yeah, I've got, oh, if, if more people get in faster, if we get more UTXOs claimed, or we get uh, more coin mass claimed, 5% bonuses on each of those to give people a reason to talk about it. Like when Byteball did their thing, like Byteball was an airdrop, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to tell anyone about it. Why? Well, because then I would get more coins, right? If I don't tell anybody, I'm going to get more coins, which made nobody want to promote the project. So I thought, oh, how do I reverse that? by enhancing everyone's bonuses and paying more if we get everyone faster in and given the 5% referral thing. So like I said, I got people getting slow, you get more Satoshi coins, but if people get in fast, you get more of these bonuses and you get more referrals. So they fight each other. Got a lot of options there. Oh, and a lot of incentive for people yeah, too, which is great. Yeah, incentives, options, that's what people like. People like options. So you got to go to bitcoinhex.com, right? Free. You can't buy them. They're not, they're not for sale. You can't purchase them. You can only get them if you have Bitcoin. So, and okay. you said there's uh, information on BitcoinHex.com, right? Yeah. H-E-X, yeah. Now, uh, to everybody on Richard's channel, we just want to thank you all for being here with us. And I just want to show a little bit, Rich, one thing uh, real quick. Uh, in every Tuesday video, guys, we, we do like a weekly giveaway to subscribers. Yeah. Uh, we, we have ramen, like our little prize pot, shirts, hats, That's mugs. Everything. So you guys could come back every Tuesday and uh, have a chance to ramen. Visit. 
<laughs> no, Ram. 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 Well, Ram, Ram, Ram. What are you doing, ramen okay. noodles? How are you doing, ramen noodles? I was like, shit, man. <laughs> we would send no, that no. to you for nothing. You, If you like them, we'll send them to you for nothing. They don't care. <laughs> ramen, that was good. No, no somebody Ram. sent. Yeah, somebody sent in uh, two <laughs> sticks of Ram. Uh, actually, $300 for both, yeah, yes. for both sticks, so. It was cool. cool, so we put it in the yeah. prize pool. So anyway, you guys stop back on Tuesday. Um, got a couple questions here, Richard, real quick, if you don't mind. You want to ask this? Uh, yeah, and then we could – we'll, we'll uh, start wrapping it up, Rich. I know you. we appreciate your time here. I really don't want to, Joe. I want to stay on with the guy all night. Yeah, I stay on with him all night. All right, cool. But I'm sure he's got yeah. things. Uh, he's busy, right? <laughs> I think um, – all right, good. What do you got? Ethereum Classic Thoughts. Um, is, it, is it as centralized as BTC? And also, to piggyback on that, what do you think about Coinbase stating that they're going to list them? Well, I, I was not aware that Coinbase was going to list Ethereum Classic. I think that might have been a rumor. Um, no, I, I think it's think, I think it came out ahead. officially like a couple of days ago. Okay. And I remember I saw the pump, uh, you know, Bittrex had pumped like 20, 25%. Yeah, it could be. It's yeah. come down I recently. Mean, but I think that's their next point like to list. It something that may have happened. I, I, so the, I always have this problem with Ethereum Classic that Barry Shilbert shills it. I say Shilbert in in fun regard. The guy's a valuable part of the ecosystem, so I'm not making fun of Barry Shilbert. Um, you know, he did the Bitcoin Trust, and uh, I think he made an Ethereum Classic Trust as well. You know, they just don't have that many developers, and they are so far behind Ethereum now that I don't really know why anyone would use them over the real Ethereum, even though they're actually the real Ethereum that stopped mattering once you could no longer do uh, centralized forky kind of stuff on other Ethereum, on the, on the larger Ethereum, right? So like Ethereum Classic's claim to utility was that you should never roll back these chains, they're immutable and period. And they're right, but being right isn't enough when there's a competitor that now offers the same exact feature in that they don't do rollbacks anymore because they are too distributed now. Um, but you also have 10 times the other cool stuff going on for it. So, you know, if you're just a normal crap coin, uh, you can tell people a nice story about why you're going to go to the moon and it might be true. But if you're crap coin based on another coin, it's harder to convince people that you're going to disrupt the real one. Right? So, you know, Bitcoin Cash has that problem. To some degree, my coin, Bitcoin Hex, may have that problem because anything that has Bitcoin in the name, people are in, the, in their head going to go, well, could this be worth more than Bitcoin? And the, the default answer people come up with is no. Um, whereas if you're something that is not associated with Bitcoin, you know, people's brains are like, sure, maybe Ethereum can do the flipping and be worth more than Bitcoin, right? So there's a there's an upside to having more strength and power of latching onto the brand kind of earlier, but there's a downside very very later on perhaps right. Um, I think it applies more to Bitcoin Cash than to my thing because you know my thing only thing that has similar to Bitcoin is that the holders of Bitcoin were given it. Nothing else is similar. No mining. No you know totally different. Um, but Bitcoin Cash is very, very similar, right? Same block time every 10 minutes, same hash function, SHA-256, same celebrities arguing about it. And, you know, I think that that 
makes it so that project will always have a hard time reaching higher values because it uh, has a real competitor with better regulatory certainty and better onboarding with futures. Um, it's hard to see. That's what bothers me about futures is I know they're important and they're useful for the future forward, but they dumped on us so hard that I don't even want to talk about them. Like, I, don't <laughs> wanna, I don't even want to mention them because they dumped yeah. on us so hard. Yeah. Everybody that shorted when they launched just got free money, dude. And free a lot money. of it. And a lot of it. Yeah. Big time. The only you thing you can say is their volume was so low that not that many people really got to make sick money on the on the short because you would have seen it in the volume. Yeah, the volume was pretty low when it first when it first came out. Um, yeah. Speaking of Ethereum Classic, do you feel that fork um, was the right thing to do? Sure. Yeah. Okay. You know, it, you this shit's supposed to be immutable. Period. Oh, you coded bad. Fuck you. Like. Or admit that immutability is not an important part of what you're doing, and, and stop stop using a blockchain. If you're if if you don't need immutability, you don't need a blockchain. Blockchain is the most expensive, slowest, crappiest. Sometimes you can't write to a database. You got to really, really need that immutability and that censorship resistance to incur those costs. If you don't need those two things, you shouldn't have a blockchain. Period. You know, you should do this federated thing like EOS is doing or, you know, uh, even Byteballs got federated, you know, 10 guys decide to screw you, you're screwed, but it's really fast, right? <laughs> like, it's like your computer's real, your computer's a hundred times faster than the blockchain, probably a couple thousand times faster, really. But, um, but that doesn't do what we need blockchains to do in theory, which is censorship resistance or in the case of Bitcoin, Store a lot of value, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, EOS EOS turned their network off. When it was off, you ain't doing no transactions, right? When's the last time you heard about the Bitcoin network being turned off? It's got like 99.999% uptime. Well, I hope that's worth some, somebody, you know? I agree 100%. Do you, um, uh, do you want to ask this question or no? Go ahead, ask it. No, I want you to joke. Uh, he's asking, this is from Low Roller Scratcher. He says, uh, how do you compare Bitcoin huge bull run of 2013 versus 2017's bull run? Uh, six months later, Bitcoin crashed like 70, 80%. Could you ask Richard? I looked at how I'm chopping my head off in my video like an idiot by leaning this direction. Half <laughs> my head is covered by you guys now. Well, is it really? Good I missed the it question. I missed the question All by right. looking at my terrible production uh, Basically, value. the 2013... The 2013 Bitcoin run compared to the 2017. He just wanted to get yep. your take on uh, the two. Are they comparable? Sure. Well, I think that they're doing very similar things. Um, not similar enough for you to have made money trading the old chart, unfortunately. Um, but, I mean, the percentages, the drops, the... You know, you'd want to say the ecosystem's so different that you couldn't have the same kind of chart patterns playing out again. But here we are. <laughs> here we are at 6,500, which I think is a 70% drop. Mm -hmm. Sucks. Um, so it's, why not? Sure. I mean, it's well within the realm of possibility that the chart of this thing that you're trading acts again as it once did i mean what other chart are you supposed to look at 
for reference, I think the Bitcoin chart is the most useful chart to to try and predict what Bitcoin is likely to be doing. So, I mean, if, is the question, if you want to treat to this market like the 2013 bear market, then you just wait until mm -hmm. the bottom. And when is the bottom? When you stop making new lows. Hmm. When you stop making new lows and you make higher lows for a while, maybe that's the bottom. We can't hold support. We keep making lows. Not lower lows yet, but we're pretty close. Yeah, we are. Well, how about uh, how low is Bitcoin going to go where it's not going to be worth mining anymore? Right? Did we discuss that, so much that, that never that happens. Um, mining just gets cheaper and cheaper. So oh, okay. the same amount of coins are going to come out no matter what. All the miners in the world could turn off, and after a two-week readjustment period, you're going to still get the 10 blocks out pretty much. Okay. That statement is close enough to true that most people will be okay with it. Some people are going to argue about how long it takes to readjust the difficulty. And then my response is going to be hard fork. And then they're going to say that's cheating. But needless to say, in any type of reasonable decline of hash rate, uh, you're still going to get 10 blocks a minute. It's just going to readjust every two weeks. And as more people drop off and the hash rate goes lower, it's less money per coin, but you just get more coins instead because there's less people competing for them. So, yeah. you know, never, this stuff got mined when it had no price. The network worked fine when there was no price. So this price could go to zero right now. Still going to get mined. I'll mine it myself if I have to. Okay. I'll dedicate one laptop to mining the whole Bitcoin network for everybody just to make them happy if the price goes to zero, okay? All right. not, I don't think you'll use a lot of electricity then, will you? If nothing's happening there, will no. you? <laughs> you're, just, you're just gonna use one laptop and it worked fine. Network worked fine when Satoshi was the only one mining it. Wow. You know? It's fine. It's not a problem. Cool, cool. How about yeah. now how about can I get real quick? Yeah, you yeah, wanna go, go ahead? No, go how ahead. about this one? Uh Mom Busi just reminded me of something that uh I actually seen on TV too was uh the Dennis Rodman walking around with a pot coin t shirt. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah, it's going to be funny when everyone on TV has their chosen shit coin on their shirt and hat, <laughs> and it's basically like watching the UFC fighters' uh, shorts at every single news event, you know? Yeah, They're going to yeah. have to make new anti-shit coin rules just for television appearances. <laughs> it's going to be funny. you got to be regulated on what kind of shirt you can wear. <laughs> That's crazy. All right, so you kind of had the same reaction I did. What the fuck is he doing, right? What are you, what are you doing yeah. over there? <laughs> He's out there. Oh, He's boy. always been out there. Yeah, yes. definitely. Yeah, you met, the, with the wedding the dresses and all that stuff. Crazy. But he was a good basketball player, the worm, right? That he was. He was he all right. One of the best defensive players. Apparently, he's a good uh, diplomat as well. Unbelievable. We didn't know that. Him and his buddy over there in Oak Ridge, right? That, that's, that's, he got uh, the job done. Hey, yeah. hey what are you cool. going to do? Yeah, but we don't we don't get into politics over here. anyway. Get it, Joe. Answer the question. What do you so got? we we have two questions we ask everybody that comes on, and we get a whole long array of answers. The most unique being from uh, John McAfee. But uh, the first one we ask everybody is, and I think you might answer it. Answer a little bit. But uh, yeah. What's the lowest Bitcoin that you ever purchased, price wise? Mm, uh, uh, looks like a low answer is going to be fifteen. Wow, that is probably one of the lowest answers we got. Fifteen dollars. Wow. Holy shit. Imagine. Wow. Yeah. I didn't get a good deal. 
I could have got it a lot cheaper a couple weeks later. <laughs> so oh, you yeah. Lost, you lost money real quick? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wrote it down to one. Wow. Uh, wow. So yeah, that's pretty early on, man. That is early. That's how he was thinking way back. You see what I'm thinking? He was thinking way back there. <laughs> um, and the next question is, um, who do you believe Satoshi Nakamoto is? Or was, because he answered. I, I just think it's a, an English person with a academic background with experience in C++ and maybe a professor. When you time when you look at the time analysis, so spelling analysis gets you to the UK, time analysis gets you to the UK. Um, day job as well is the most advanced research that I've seen. But since he apparently has never spent any coins and I mean, it's not just apparent. He ain't spent no coins. Uh, or you would have seen the price crash. Uh, he's probably dead, so it probably doesn't matter that much. You would be concerned with the operational security that he used to protect the keys in case, uh, you know, maybe, maybe his encryption on his laptop wasn't as good as he thought he was, and, you know, maybe some evil actor or his kid gets the keys or something. <laughs> it would be nice to see the keys destroyed or know that we've got a death certificate or something, but we'll just deal with what we've got. Yeah. What we've got is what we've got. Yeah, pretty much oh, it is good. what it is, right? Good, an- good answer. Yeah. yeah, John McAfee, by the way, says that he's alive and McAfee knows him. And and, and if he uh, wanted to go to dinner with him, he wouldn't, he said, either. He <laughs> said, the guy asked for me to go to dinner. I'm not going to go with anybody. I know he's alive. <laughs> All right. So that, that was the most unique answer we got. That was different, got. yeah. That um, was definitely different. Any I could questions? tell you he's Martian if it triggers your guys' happy muscles more. Uh, <laughs> I, that dude's dead, man. Humans that are alive spend their resources, period. All right. That's yeah, cool. no, I agree. I agree. And that's the, the one reason why I, I sort of believe that, too, is, um, you know, there's just too much money out there for him not to have spent any of it. Yeah. Let me ask no. you, do you think he saw $20,000 Bitcoin when he was creating this? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Wow. I mean, that's that was the whole design is to create a viable alternative to the main financial network, which would have a positive feedback loop, um, causing it to appreciate and gain enough economic uh, size and liquidity to compete globally. Yeah, I mean, that's been the whole game since people have been wearing the hats and hodling and, you know, uh, it's been the goal. So, yeah, you don't reach that or attain that unless the price goes really high. So it's been, it's been in the works. I mean, there's a reason that the Bitcoin is divisible to 200 million or mm-hmm. however many decimal points it is. And it's because we anticipate this to go very high. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. All right. I, I got a question here, Richard. Go I got something here from Greg Youngers and he said, ask Richard about, I'm going to try to hope I say this right, Richard Cardano. Cardano. Is it another shit coin? About or it. does that, have, you don't know Cardano. C-R-D-A-N-O. I know. I, I I know that the founder of that is a serial founder of other projects, and some of them projects have done okay, but keeps moving on to the next one. Uh, Maybe he'll move on to the next one after this one. Maybe it'll work. I don't know. Fair Um, enough. I'm not qualified to speak uh, to that project, really. Cool. Unfortunately. I mean, I'm a smart dude, but the amount of time I have to research altcoins and the amount of altcoins that are coming out, I'd rather work on my own altcoin. I hear you, and and we know if you did know about, it, you would definitely say what you knew about it. So yeah, we ain't, yeah. we know you don't. So, but that's well, uh, that's what yeah, Rich. Is, I brother. think uh, I I just want to say, you know, 
from the bottom of my heart, thank you for doing this with us. Uh, yes. You know, we're a smaller YouTube channel, but, uh, you know, we're big fans of yours. And, uh, you know, what hey, you hopefully speak. Hopefully get bigger now, a little bit. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> um, but anything else before you leave? Uh, I know we got BitcoinHex.com. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, any, any, tell everybody where to find you. If you like, if you like the thoughts coming out of my head, I wrote a book. It's really, really long. It's disorganized. It's an outline right now. But if you're a smart person, maybe the outline's better than me filling in a bunch of narrative crap to get you to follow the directions. The good stuff is the directions. It's called Survive. It's how you can survive through science, money, power, respect, sex, drugs, rock and roll, all that stuff. It's free. Go download it. Read it. Uh, these fine gentlemen said that they like some of my earlier YouTube videos. Very cool, cool stuff on there. How to yes. give a good apology. How to get rich. Not through crypto. Um, Check that stuff out. If you want to trade or hedge or take out futures or options or use a VPN or any of that stuff, I got shill links for all that stuff. You get discounts. 10% wow. off on the trading, half off on the VPN, blah, blah. If you like any of that stuff, click the links. Um, what else? Bitcoinhex.com should be awesome. Trustless interest. Bunch Can't of wait, reasons man. to get in early. Can't bunch wait, of reasons not to get in late. I think that's it. You I think that's everything I got for the people. Okay. Go awesome. on Twitter. One Richard Hart win on Twitter. Go on to okay. YouTube, Richard Hart. And uh, I like to post. So Beautiful. You'll probably hey, that like he it. does. Yeah, and, and I can tell you something I really learned from just talking. I, I, I know we watched your videos, this and that. And I, but what I really actually learned from you tonight, one thing that's kind of personal, but it seems like you're, you're like a giver. You like to, to like, like you just said, you wrote a book online. It's free. Is that what you said? It's free. Yeah. You know, yep. and, and I'm giving 10% here doing this and that. You seem like the type of person that's very generous. Like, you, you're not looking to rip people. Look, I wrote a book here. It's on my line free. And I appreciate that. That's, that's that's cool, man. It's really, really nice. Why? If your life is already good, what exactly would be better about it if you rip people off? No. You could get yes. a different car. It's a shitty deal. I mean, if you've already got a good enough money, you don't need to rip people off, you know? No, that's yeah. a great point. Yeah. I'm glad no, you brought that that's, up. That's awesome. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and and you even said that uh, one day Joe brought up that he likes about you too. He, he likes your your chair. We like your candelabra, man. It's awesome. And you said something about he's into crystal or something, right, Joe? Because he likes yeah, crystal, the crystal in the, the back. way it changes. Yeah, man. That's when the focus changes. Because uh, I'm shooting f 1.4, it's really really wide on a full frame. Anytime it tries to lock focus on my face, if I move, right, it like moves the bokeh in the background like a lot. You guys could do the same stuff on your scene, man. Just shoot real wide. Right. And then anything that's out of the plane of focus is going to be super blurry, you know? Right, right, um, right. But you got to have depth. Like, you guys are up against a wall, so yeah, you need yeah. to move the chair forward or something. Well, maybe someday you can give us a little show of what you got there, your little crystal or something. You know, I mean, you know a lot of people I want, out there I want to do curious. a lot of this stuff. but You should, man. Yeah. My operational security gets hurt because now I'm looking at reflections. Like, if I start walking around with a camera, yeah. now I got to wonder what every single other reflection was showing. Right. You're going to see more than just what I point the camera at. Understand. All, man, computer security is hard, man. It, it really is. You know, we did a show one time, and uh, Joe went and took the camera off because we were going to do something at the table, whatever, and actually went towards the other side of the studio, and everybody's like, oh, we see the other side of the studio. We see, you know, it's <laughs> funny how people notice those things. You know what I'm saying, Rich? It's crazy. Yeah, but you're right. Camera. I understand that because, but I, I bet you a lot of people would be, wow, I'd love to see his Chris. I'd like to see what's behind like the chair house. and stuff, man. Lately, I'm doing a lot of partying. A lot. Wow. And uh, 
I have a pretty cool party house. Wow, and, I'm sure you do. And, and if any time you know you we were in your area, wherever you Florida, wherever you're at, we'll definitely stop by and enjoy your party with you if you yeah. don't mind. All right. And you if know, you're ever in, if you're ever in New York, yeah, Rick, please definitely reach out to us. We'll take you out for a drink. Yes. Thanks, man. I appreciate that, guys. Yeah. Hey, it was right. great talking to you, man. It yeah, was it really awesome. Was, it, it, thank you so much again. We appreciate you, all your fans, your subscribers, everybody, man. This was awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, pleasure, Rich. Guys. Be good, brother. Ciao. We'll be in touch. Ciao. All right, guys. Richard Hart. I hope you guys appreciate that. Um, and we thank you for being here. I know it's a little dark on our end, guys. Sorry about that. But um, Is it? Yeah, it looks a little dark, but we only have one light going instead of two to stop the reflections. But I hope you guys enjoyed that, man. And I'm glad he came on. You know, it it, it was a good uh, a good interview, and um, he all his interviews are like that. You know, they're all uh, they're all good. So yeah, I enjoyed that. Why did it also get dark that much? I, I just want to switch it a little bit, Joe. What do you think? Can I just turn it a little bit. <laughs> you see, I had to open my mouth, and now look, Larry wants. Yeah, there you go. Let there be light. <laughs> Our lighting guy quit, so I had to take over, man. That was it. Let I there it. be light. All right, cool. Well, listen, I just want everybody to know, we on, I was looking at Richard's channel. There was almost 1,000, 1,500 people yeah, watching. Yeah, somebody commented. I think uh, El Hernandez said that, yeah. So that was awesome. And, um, you know, anybody that watches us moving forward, please, you know, come back. Uh, we do a Saturday, Tuesday, and every other week, usually a Thursday show. Um, this week, we'll just have one on Tuesday, but next week, we'll we'll stay on top of things. But uh, yes. I'm glad we, we got this over with. I was a little nervous coming into it, but I think it went well. I was a lot nervous. This guy was very, very nervous. I don't know I why. I think it went well. I got calmed down. He says, yeah, a thousand people watch it. Take it easy. Relax. Talk to the guy like regular. And he did it. He got through it. You know, he's a little, now nah, you did good, Joe. We, and we, we, we worked well. out well. You know? I think it went well. We it was picked awesome. his brain. We spoke yeah. to him about crypto. Yes. Uh, so according to Richard, uh, he thinks we got a l little lower to go with Bitcoin, maybe four or 5,000. And then cool. um, he thinks that might be the bottom there. And now you see it, Greg Young is. He had the question before we asked it. He just said, I come over here from Richard's channel. I just subscribed. Thank you. Thank you appreciate so much, you, Greg. Man. Yeah, anybody else who came over, we appreciate you guys. Um, Tuesday nights, we give shit away, man. We give stuff away. We got a prize pool. Um, Definitely check us out on Tuesday. We have a yeah. basket. We do little food. We do some crazy things over here. Tuesday's you know? a good day. And yeah. we, give, we give things away. So yeah. every Tuesday, you guys get a chance to win something. Um, yep. I think it's a cool thing. But... With that being said, guys. Yes, I almost forgot. I'm sorry, Joe. I don't want to cut you because I know I will forget this. Thanks again, Mom Boussy, for doing that. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Oh, yes. Yeah, tomorrow is Father's that. Day. I, w I wrote it down, though. And Mom Boussy, thank you again. I just remembered. Everybody, happy Father's Day. Um, Enjoy your day tomorrow. Uh, I forgot to tell Richard, happy Father's Day. I hope he sees this. Um, I don't know if he's a father or not. I really don't know. But still, anybody and everybody, happy Father's Day. Yes, and um, guys, thank you for being here as always. Uh, we'll be back Tuesday with another show. Um, we hope you're all here. Cool. Larry, good stuff. Good show. Brian Lightcourt, another new subscriber. Thank That's you. Coming in good. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate everybody. Thank you, Brian. We guys, appreciate you, man. Guys, thank make you. sure you subscribe. Hit the thumbs up for yes. us. Um, anybody from Richard's channel, say what's up to us. You know, We'll hopefully respond to you in the comments. Yes. Uh, but more importantly, come see us on Tuesday. And um, hopefully we'll have some more big guests on the show. And Mom Boosie said somebody else said happy Father's Day first. So if I miss you, I'm sorry. Guys, thank you again. I love you all. Happy Father's Day again tomorrow. And remember, eat healthy. Yes, you got to eat healthy, guys. Eat healthy. All right, we're out of here. Take Peace. care.
not out of here yet. Now These we're out guys of here. Are awesome. Three, two, one. Peace. Out.